Hey everybody, this is Tyson and Logan, and you're listening to Dad Bods and Beards Podcast. It's a show that gives you a fresh look on being a father, a husband, and honestly, a man being in today's world. For people who want to have a good time, laugh, and be uplifted, thanks for subscribing and listening. Now for the show. Welcome to Dad Bods and Bears. I'm Tyson. And I'm Logan. And we got a special guest today with me, an expert. And we're here to discuss, I would say, managing anxiety and mental health and things like that. And so we have David Andrews. Now, he is a licensed clinical social worker, CEO of an owner of City Therapy. David, he is, has an over a decade of expertise in fostering resilience healthy relationships, and mental wellness. With a Master's of Social Work degree from University of Utah, David combines his strong educational background with specialized training in evidence-based therapeutic modalities. He believes in the power of human resilience and works collaboratively with clients to uncover strengths, develop coping strategies, and promotes personal growth awareness. He strives to destigmatize seeking health and promote a more compassionate society. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, why don't you go a little bit, a little bit more in detail of who you are, and, and uh, we'll go from there. Sure. Uh, thanks so much for having me on first. Uh, I'm just grateful to be here with you both tonight. So thanks for having me on. So um, Logan and I, like Logan, we had a special uh, episode specifically on Logan and having uh, been diagnosed with bipolar. Uh, we've actually had Dr. Diane Hawkins from Center of Change. She's been on talking about eating disorders and uh, mental health and our well-being is a huge thing for me and it's a huge thing for Logan. And uh, our listeners really, really understand this because I think a lot of us are dealing with everything. I mean, and when I say a lot, I think everyone's dealing with something. And so I kind of want to discuss when is it a good time to seek a therapist? When, uh, how do we maintain healthy relationships? How do we navigate through difficult life transitions, things like that? And so that's why you're here. So first, how can therapy help someone navigate difficult life transitions? I mean, to answer your question, I'd say a couple of parts that you're right. Therapy is big now. Uh, the reason is because of the pandemic, we were all kind of locked in, um, shut in by ourselves. And we kind of saw things that we weren't, necessarily expecting people didn't do well in the pandemic either some people did really really well or everybody else just kind of like struggled and so that's why we're seeing such an increase in therapy right now it's about 23 percent on average adult americans have seen a therapist in the last year which oh, is wow. which is huge it's, it's up from like 2004 like 10 percent um so the numbers are increasing what why do you think that is why do you think covid created that is it because they sat there and could actually think for a second and they weren't as busy i mean you're locked up in your house with your family typically i mean that's enough to cause neurosis alone i mean you're, you're missing your activities your schedule your daily routine your friends um and the very real possibility that you're going to lose somebody it's almost like you're missing your daily distractions so it kind of forced you to just think inward because you had almost nothing else to do maybe yeah. there's there's that and there's the fact that it's our support system the things we rely on, our exercise, our, our identity, right? A lot of people see themselves as their work or as what they do in the world. And that's taken away from you. And people are starting to think, who am I? Why am I here? What am I good for? Ooh, that's a good one. That's, yeah. that's definitely one thing that I've tried to learn from therapy is actually I am not Copper John's. Copper John's is a separate entity than Tyson. And I think that's a big thing. And I, I like that a lot. I was just going to say it's very common in America that we identify ourselves with our job and what we do. Um, we're taught to produce and to to make, right? Especially men. Mm -hmm. How much do you make? How much do you produce? Oh, is a yeah. big thing. Is how we're viewed in our identity. Do you think that is school based, parent based, uh, culture based? Just uh, where mm -hmm. do you think that comes from? Yeah, I think it's culture based, but it's it's interwoven in all those things. I mean, we are <laughs> we're very much taught. Uh, as men in America to to be there to not show emotions, to not cry, just to provide and to be kind of that alpha male in society. Mm -hmm. Totally. Which I think is more hurtful than it is helpful as of right now. Oh, 100%. 100%. See, I almost view in my kind of my world outlook now since going through the battles that I've went through, 
I almost view it more of like a male dominance attribute to like admit <clears throat> maybe that you need help and to seek help. Like I view it more as like a masculine thing of like, yeah, I'm, I'm not okay here or I'm wrong here and I need to find help here. Or I need to, you know, research more here. I think it's almost more of a show of weakness to like, it's like the role, the roles are reversing. Like everyone used to like think therapy or mental health or psychiatry or things like that was like this show of weakness that you should be able to just like power through these issues you're dealing with versus right. now I feel like the, thankfully I feel like the stigma is starting to die. And I, and that's why Tyson and I push so hard on this podcast and some of the stuff we do is because we want to, I guess we want to help facilitate that is because I view yeah. it more as a show of strength. If you like ask for help and you get help because then you're healthier for the people in your life that you're providing for, you're taking care of your, they count on you. That's just my outlook. No, I think it's progressive and you're absolutely correct. I think we're still tide still turning on that. Um, there was just a study done. Ninety-one percent of the people on Hinge, the dating app, um, said they'd rather date somebody in therapy. So I mean, oh. people are recognizing <laughs> that it is better for us. It it's, improves our lives, um, but there's still that 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 fear of stigma, that shame, that, that heaviness that comes with oh, you're going to therapy. Providing mm-hmm. um, so, I'm glad to hear that's your view. Yeah, one thing yeah, about did you me guys is hear I've that? always owned it. <laughs> yeah. 91% of people view that going to therapy is a positive on these dating apps. So you wow. single guys and ladies out there go make an appointment. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, you're totally fine. I was just going to say, that's one thing that I've always pushed. I've never been embarrassed to, to be going to therapy. It's one thing I'm oh, not yeah. embarrassed about. Um, and I, I, I'm just not, that's just not me. But one thing I, I one thing that I've learned is kind of uh, trying to manage my anxiety and stress of daily life. So what are some effective strategies that you preach or, or show or that does it depend on your client on managing the anxiety and stress in their lives? Yeah, I think it's, at City Therapy, I try to do things more individual-based, um, meet the person where they're at. And I'm a little bit unorthodox. I, I, I try to tailor it to people. But there are some things that do work, and that's first getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, and then a healthy diet. Those are like the foundations for like, can I go further, right? Because usually when we have the things that we need, we're not as anxious. We're, we're getting the sleep and the rest our body needs. We're in a better place to be able to do some of that higher brain functioning. Interesting. Higher brain function. I like that. And what are the three things I struggle with? <laughs> yeah, getting sleep, <laughs> eating healthy diet, and drinking water. <laughs> yeah. Even in America, like we all do, right? Don't sell yourself short, Tyson. We've been working on it. I feel like we've I, I've noticed a difference since I've been focusing more on my actual physical health. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um I wasn't going to ask anything about this, but what is uh, art and when do people tend to use it? The ART. Okay. Because Logan and uh, I were talking about this offline um, and kind of like why certain people use it and stuff like that. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so art, ART, which is, it's it's funny, it's funny named because people think, oh, you're going to paint today? It's mm-hmm. actually, <laughs> it's accelerated resolution therapy. And what that is, it's an offshoot of EMDR, um, which is that eye movement presentation and so you're going through and reprocessing your memory from traumas to um, get past the situation the results um, clinically proven are pretty astounding you can have results in like one episode one session um, and people do amazing things after they do this I mean we've seen people with childhood sexual abuse who have traumas after trauma after trauma who can't function sometimes have improvement after two or three sessions and it changes people's lives. I'm a big proponent of this. Um, it's pretty magical. It feels like magic, actually. It is. No. What was the acronym? So ART, it stood for accelerated what? Accelerated resolution therapy. And so it works on bilateral stimulation. It's a fancy word that means I'm just going to put my hand in front of your face and move it around like I'm a Jedi. And we're going to go through your memories. And it just it retrains the brain to put that traumatic memory in like your long-term storage in the back of your brain, as opposed mm-hmm. to having it up front where it's always your focus. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes it's sense. Just an, it's an amazing thing. I got to uh, experience that firsthand and it, it, it just changed my world, my whole point of view of a certain event in my life. And I look at it and now, and I'm like, I don't have that same feeling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
and now that I, I can see a certain person in my life totally different and mm -hmm. I can see everything that they've done for me rather than just what they didn't do at that moment in time and so it's it's an amazing amazing thing and that's why I wanted to bring it up because I think it works for those yeah. who are maybe suffering from PTSD or or anything like that oh any kind of life you know life traumas whether it's childhood adult you know like you said that's interesting that's I love I love that there's all these different forms of it because it's like you know old school therapy people just think just sit down on the you know the 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 Hollywood sit there on the couch with the with the guy sit with his notepad and his glasses just like and how does that make you feel I mean, they're always yeah. German like yeah. <laughs> how does that make you feel right <laughs> like, but I I love like you said kind of like tearing down the stigma of what one thing I say this all the time and I'm, I sound like a broken record is in 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 going through the situations that I went through with being undiagnosed bipolar on heavy, heavy amounts of Adderall and then being diagnosed and getting treated is realizing what the human brain is capable of. Yeah. Like it's, it's, a, it's the, it's a supercomputer. Like it made me see things that were not real. Yeah. So it makes you, it makes me realize that much more. Like it has the total capability of hijacking your entire day, your entire week, your entire month, your entire life. If you were just sitting there focusing on all these things, I mean, subconsciously it sounds like, like it's almost like you can't you can't work through them on your own, so that's why I'm a big proponent of therapy too. I did cognitive behavioral therapy for quite a while, and that that made a huge difference for me. Yeah, I mean CBT is amazing. Talk therapy is amazing. Um, ART is a little bit more intense for those sure. bigger traumas, but I'm happy to hear that you have positive results from it. One more right. thing on ART, if I can, the results last. They last. Do they? they don't they don't like go away I and mean, years they last. Um, and then one of the cool thing about it is you don't have to retell your trauma. You don't have to tell it to a new person. You don't have to lay it all out again because that can be re-traumatizing, right? Now sure. I have to talk about it all over again. You don't have to do that with ART. So anybody who's listening wants it, check it out. It's an amazing, amazing new treatment. It really is. It changed my life in a positive. And uh, then I can just move on to different things that I, I struggle with. <laughs> I like what he said about you not having to like recount that trauma over and over mm -hmm. and over. Like by like this will help like the lasting effects because that's that's half the battle is like you're constantly reliving it. You're constantly watching that movie over and over and over in your head. So that's right. that's a huge selling point. Not that you have to sell it, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, there's a there's a car show on NPR. They these two guys fix up cars. I don't remember the name of the show, but when they have callers call in, they say, well, how long have you been dealing with this problem? Like my window's broken, I had rain come in or whatever. And they'll say, how long have you been mm -hmm. dealing with it? Oh, five years, whatever. That's what it is for most people, I think. How long have we been living with the trauma, the pain, the stress of whatever events are going on in our life? And we've just gotten used to it. You do. Mm. You don't have to. I think we do that because of the fear of therapy and, and other life events, but we don't have to anymore. We can we can address those things. People can get better. People do get better. Yeah, I think what changed my my point of view for for therapy itself is is seeing my daughter go to it and how much she improved, and then realizing that I'm struggling. I need to go see this someone. And even after I decided I want to, it still took me like a year. Just, I don't know what it was. It's kind of like uh, you have a cavity and you're finally like, okay, I better go to the dentist. I got to that point where I'm just like, okay, I got to go. Like, I'm miserable. I got to yeah. figure this crap out. It's amazing. You're absolutely right how it works. We talked about that waiting for that year. What was the thought behind it if you had it? Like, were you taught that? Were you taught not to go to therapy? Was there something overwhelming? Was it that cost? Was it just a pain? What was it? Um, what, what, what was it? Um, not believing that it would work, not believing that it would help and uh, a waste of time. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like, I, I, maybe I didn't deserve to feel good about myself. Yeah. Um, things like that. And like, it was almost a punishment I was giving myself. So it's interesting uh, it, now that you think about it and all that kind of stuff, it's kind of crazy that I was thinking that way, but, but uh, it's true. I, I think uh, us men specifically, we like to beat ourselves up, especially when we're not necessarily being the best breadwinners. We're doing the best we can, but we're not supplying everything that we need to things like that. I think we, we tend to beat ourselves up on purpose. 
No, it's just like what you were saying, David. Like you get this, you get this societal view of what you're supposed to be as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a partner. Like it just, and you get it ingrained in your head. I mean, I feel like the tides are starting to change a little bit, like I said, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm totally guilty of all of that, of, of like you were saying, Tyson, just guilty of beating myself up for years because I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not that guy. I don't make this much. I don't feel that way. I don't look that way. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's just this perpetual. Ugh. I was going to say, even in your language, I'm guilty of it, right? Like you've done something Ooh. wrong. Like you're, you're chastising yourself now for realizing. And that's what's so great about mindfulness, just recognizing what's going on within you without being judgmental. The judgmental part is the part that's really big in mindfulness. So just, you're not guilty of anything, mm. man. I love that. I felt, I felt, I felt that one. Yeah, no, dead serious. But dude, the thing is, is I think even still, society like you watch uh, a TikTok or or you watch an Instagram reel or YouTube where men uh, or women are interviewing women and what they're looking for their potential partners in life, and it's always like they have to be six foot or hot taller. They have to make you know two hundred thousand dollars or more, and they have to be this way and this way. And you're just like. <laughs> what and and, uh but then you think that's what all women want and if you don't do that then you're up to you know and and i don't think it affects me anymore but i think at one point it did even though i didn't recognize that yeah i think those messages are pretty strong they probably affect us all without even knowing it i mean just the message that we're get on average i listened to your show with dr hawkins and she talked about social media and how much it affects and how much it's triggered towards certain people i mean the algorithms are brilliant and they know what they're doing and so I think those messages are there and we receive them from billboards, from radio ads, nonstop. Oh, yeah. So they're all around us. Oh, it's crazy. That's, I didn't even think about billboards and yeah. radio ads and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Well, it's uh, like I, how I, many I, times you've been driving down the freeway you, and you see a billboard that goes, you looked and you're like, dang it, I did look. <laughs> like It's like the billboards <laughs> sometimes are like proving that like, hey, it works. And then, I mean, and we live here in Utah and there's there's a, ton of billboards out there for like not that i'm saying it's a bad thing because i've even considered it i'm kind of like hey fix your smile in a day hey come get there's plastic you know this fix your Mm -hmm. vision in a day fix your you know like cool sculpting like you can we can we can zap your fat you know your problem areas in a day and it's like there's all of these like you're just constantly bombarded with like be better look better feel better think better like and you're just like i'm i woke up today (laughs) we're doing good right right you're not, we're not enough, that we need something else to complete us. It's that whole Jerry Maguire fantasy that keeps promoting oh. itself. You complete me. You yeah. know? Dude, I love that. Complete. A lot of insight, David. Dang. All right. So uh, <laughs> a lot of us uh, have partners in our life, whether we're married, um, boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatever we have going on. And sometimes uh, we are struggling with our relationships. And so the question to you is, is can you share some tips for building and maintaining those healthy relationships within our life, whether it be with our children, coworkers, spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever? Yeah, it's going to sound cliche, but communication. And that's that's two part, like communication with yourself to recognize, do I want to be in a relationship? Am I OK to be in a relationship right now? Um, and if you're already 20 years in or whatever, I'm sure you're you're in, but like just understanding yourself first and what your needs and your wants are and then communicating that with your partner. We often act in ways that we think other people want us to, right? Well, I have to be masculine. I have to be alpha. I have to protect her. I have to do whatever. Um, But it's often not the case. We often want different things um, and that can be easily identified and talked about. So communication is number one, I would say. And go to therapy. Find a good couple of therapists. um, Talk it out. So what happens when you're talking about communication and we as men are talking to whomever, specifically my spouse, and I'm not saying my spouse does this. I'm giving you an example. Um, I'm, I'm talking and they kind of throw it back in your face saying, hey, Candace, my wife, again, not saying she does this, but like I feel this <laughs> way about it. Like yeah. <laughs> No, but she does. I'm not I'm dead serious. I'm not. But yeah. you say something and you really wholeheartedly have emotion for this. And you this is a problem that you find. Uh, and then they don't take you serious. What, what are you supposed to do about that? 
what do you mean they don't take you serious? Can you, can you expand on that? Um, yeah. So like, like you, 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 <laughs> Logan's like, watch out, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just watching your therapy session right now. I love this. <laughs> no. So you, you basically, you're just saying, um, I love you, but I feel like this is a, uh, uh, this may, when would this happen? That makes me feel this way. And then it kind of gets thrown in your, in your face. We're like, well, it's your fault that you feel that way. Or maybe that's not exactly how they, they, they say it, but that's how you perceive it. And so how do you get past that where you can actually have an open communication where it's not an attack on them, but it's more of a, Hey, this is a problem for me. Can we please discuss it where I'm not hurting your feelings? Cause this is not meant to hurt your feelings. Yeah. I think that last part you said was, was brilliant. And the way you said it was, was stellar. I heard a couple things in, in your questioning. If I can bring up permission to bring up, you said, I love you, but I love you typically sounds like you're going to soften the blow, right? Okay. Say what you want to say, and you don't need to, you don't need to like grease the wheels to say it. Avoid the word, but and in, in everything. Just say and, but is that natural like defense or something? But I'm going to switch it right now, and now we're going to talk about heavy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So just take out the I love you part and just say, hey, this is what I hear you saying, and this is how I'm taking it. And I would say just ask if that's correct. Did I hear that correctly? Is that what you meant to say? Because I'm hearing this as this. Mm. Do you say you want to walk a dog, or are you going to kill me tonight when I sleep? It's a big difference, right? Yeah, And people don't ask because we hear things differently. We all have our own views and our own glasses on that shape the world completely different. So we'll make sure that you understand what they're saying and repeat it back. I like that. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I just made a, I just made a, a, a joking TikTok about, about <clears throat> like how I think I look when my wife is talking to me and it's like, I'm looking directly into the camera. Like I'm paying total attention to her and then it cuts to like reality. And it's like me looking at my phone and look up and like, what? But that's the re- that's that's why it's relatable humor is because it's we're all you know we're all guilty of it one way or another and I think what you just said about like hey this is what I'm hearing you say is this what you meant I feel like I'm like well I don't do that so I could definitely I could definitely try that and I'm sure it'll make a huge difference because just, I'm just waiting right. what I'm gonna say next that's what right right we don't listen as well as we don't listen we don't communicate well in relationships typically. Um, we all have so much going on slow it down realizing where we want to be and just have that conversation hear each other actually hear what the other person is saying yeah. so vital so i hear what you're saying ah, and I, and, and I, yeah no but i and i understand what you're saying look, look at you how long yeah how long does this usually take because i let's say i do this tonight and uh, Tomorrow, I am I. I'll just probably end up reverting back. So, how long does it take someone to actively focus on how to communicate when it becomes just part of nature, rather than okay, I got to think how I'm going to communicate this? Is that is that ever happen? Yeah, I, I, I'd say it's going to vary from person to person. It's not like 30 days you're going to be good. I mean, mm-hmm. it depends on the relationship and your partner. But it, if it's worth it, I think you'll keep doing it, and you will see results sooner than later. In fact, your partner will be like, why are you trying to therapize me? What's going on? What do you want? You know? (laughs) Well, for me personally, I just want to be able to communicate better. And, um, you know, I'll get homework from the therapist and I'll, and I'll get certain things and they're not fun. Um, and then about two months later, it's like, well, how did that homework go? And I'm like, I did it, but I haven't done it since. Okay. And so that's what I mean. It's like, sometimes you're just like, you just forget. And you revert back, and I hate that. I hate that uh, that I do that sometimes, and and uh, because I know better. But it's just I don't know. That's why I was asking, like, how long does it usually take for people to be like part of their nature rather than work? I listen to some of the shows, and I know that you used to bodybuild, correct? Yeah. So when you go in and you want to work on arms, would you go in one day a month and be like, "Where are the results?" No. Right? I lifted mm-hmm. a weight one time. You have to continually work that muscle. You have to like use it to get that that strength up, and it's the same with anything we do. You got to keep doing it to make it apply, and to get that strength to build it up. These are muscles we haven't used before. That meditating is a freaking muscle that I absolutely hate. <laughs> yeah. See, I've, I've I've thought about meditating. I know people who do, and they swear by it. 
but I'm just kind of like, my brain is like, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> I'm like, shut up. I'm trying to meditate. <laughs> I have some ADHD tendencies as well. And I, uh, I struggle to sit still. I want to like, I want to keep going. That squirrel in my head just keeps running around in that wheel. Right. If, if meditating isn't the best thing for you, try chanting. There's a lot of YouTube free chantings out there and it's, it's actually pretty calming. Yeah. Hmm. Dude, I do that already. I'm just because I'm weird, but like, I like that. Idea. <laughs> what <do you> chant? <laughs> no, but well, I just, no, I, 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 you should, do you, you must have told me. Yeah, let's hear yeah, you chant. No, let's hear what you do, Logan. No, no, I'm saying that like, I, I talked, I like, you should hear me working on like a truck or a machine, like at, at work. Like if I pull it into our shop and I'm working on it, I talk, I just talk to nobody. Like I'm just sitting there like. Like, oh, come on, get it out of here. It's like, I, so I think chanting, I'm like, I could do that. I drive around on my truck all day long by myself. I could sit there and chant. <laughs> yeah. But I kind of wanted to go back to what you were saying about kind of like working out the muscle and, and, and like the different perspective that I've had um, just in being, in being discreet and, you know, not, not getting too in detail out of respect for my wife with some of the stuff that she has dealt with, with living with me, you know, before, long before I was diagnosed out, you know, while being diagnosed and after she's expressed at times with the different habits and things that she's seen me develop over the years and like personality traits, both healthy and unhealthy managing and dealing with bipolar. There's this aspect where she's mentioned, she's always waiting for the other shoe to drop, like waiting for that, the thing that she expects to happen that comes with a certain bad habit or whatever to happen again. And I think that kind of goes back to like the art therapy you were talking about, or like if I want things to be different, I've got to show her that that other shoe's not going to drop, that that other, that that situation's not going to happen again. And that's kind of what I'm taking from what, from what you're saying of like, it's got to be something you've got to cognitively work at all the time or else it's just going to be the same. Absolutely. If I'm wrong. No, I think you're, you're, you're on the right path. I, I think, and, First off, thank you for sharing that. Second off, I, I think when I hear that, yes, you can show her that you're doing the work, but it sounds like maybe there was some hard times earlier in your relationship where she has some some reactions to a fear-based, right? Which is some PTSD probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it was. It doesn't matter. It, But that kind of stuff can be addressed with art. So it's it's dual dual hands here, right? You're going to do best when, mm-hmm. you, when you're working on yourself and when we're dealing with that in the past so definitely address both and i think you'll come together a lot faster than you would if it was just you sure it happens do you still carry a lot of shame from that um yes and no i think i've worked through i've worked through a lot of it um i think it's more so i i feel the i feel the like the guilt or like the sadness of like starting from the position that i'm at now versus if i was in this headspace six years ago which Funny enough, tonight is actually the sixth year anniversary of the night that I had my total mental break and ended up in the ER where that start sparked the whole getting help was actually six years ago, like right now. So I think I do live with a level of guilt and a level of shame and a level of you know, sadness, but I think it's getting better every year. I, I think I'd like to think, I'd like to think so. Shame's a big one in Utah. I mean, we, it's in our culture. Mm-hmm. And guilt and shame is guilt is something we did and shame is who we are um, and it's a hard one to overcome because we're taught that when we have mental illness, when we have things with us that we are not okay. And we have a big, big perfectionist society here in Utah. Like uh, I gotta be perfect. I gotta appear perfect. I can't have any of my cracks show. It's just not, it's not healthy and it's mm-hmm. not, it's not sustainable. I mean, mm-hmm. perfect is boring. Like who can do that? Logan's pretty perfect. Weird. I keep getting lost. No. no. <laughs> yeah. oh, you get lost in my beard. I get lost in my beard. <laughs> you know, things are getting big. <laughs> Is that your beard? Did you just glue it to your face? It's so good. That's a year too. A year? That's all. Uh-huh. This is this is right out of year. No, that's a lace front wig. It's a, a year. <laughs> I can tell. So let's say I'm dealing with self-esteem issues or confidence issues or anything like that. How can therapy help? me master or get over having a low self-esteem or low confidence? Yeah, I think one of the great things about therapy, uh, the reason why I love it so much, it's getting to know myself, right? Mm-hmm. I'm actually having a relationship with the long, with the person who I'm having a relationship with myself, and that's the longest relationship I'm going to have in my life. 
It's not with my parents. It's not with my partner. It's with myself. And to know myself and to kind of understand what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and to allow myself to have my feelings, I think is like the greatest gift of all. I'm not something with Houston, but it really is. Oh, I love that answer. All right. Okay. I, my, my mind uh, or my thoughts are a little combodulated. What's the word? Not combodulated. What are Discombobulated. Discombobulated. But <clears throat> while you're talking about that, the, the thing I was thinking about is there are so many people that are afraid that they're being judged. Oh, uh, and so yeah. their confidence and self-esteem are lower because they think that, oh, this person is looking at me. How do you get over that? How do you get over someone's thinking that, Joe Schmo down the street is looking at me in a negative light if I do this. When do you get to the point where it's like, screw you. I don't care what you think about me because this is one life. I want to live it the way I want to live. I want to be happy. I want to be happy in my own skin. Yes, I want to go take my shirt off when I'm mowing the lawn and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Instead of being judged and, and feeling like everyone thinks I'm fat and ugly. How do you get to that point? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, first off, we all those thoughts that people are staring at you and stuff, it's usually our own projection, how we feel about ourselves. When we're working on ourselves, when we understand and we, we give ourselves a grace to move forward in life with our, our own acceptance and love, we don't typically care what people think about us anymore, right? If you can own your truth, right? Yeah, I'm losing some hair up here. Like, I know that. You can't tell me anything because I know it already. Like, if somebody calls mm -hmm. me bald, and I already knew that. Thanks for telling me <laughs> something you already knew, right? If you own your truth, you own who you are, then nobody can tell you anything. It's your story. You've got to tell it yourself. So I call it uh, the fat man syndrome. And I definitely have mm. this. I uh, Because when I did yeah. bodybuilding, you have the six pack, you're strong, you're muscular. And then my priorities change. My family is more of a priority. My, the company is more of a priority. Um, things other than, you know, working out uh, and and taking all this money and putting it into food and steaks and all these things so um all of a sudden you gain weight you don't look like you used to look and it seems like you make fun of yourself before anyone else does and i definitely have a co-worker oh. who, who does that kind of stuff so how do we help those around us that are always putting themselves down and actually i see it quite a bit and it really bothers me you know, I think show kindness and love to everybody you meet is, is a way to go about it. Um, but when people talk poorly to themselves, they'll say, I'll say, hey, ouch, ouch. it's kind of rough on yourself. You know, just mm -hmm. you say the word ouch to people when they're when they're like, I'm so fat. You say, ouch, wow. you're really hard on yourself. Just point that out. Right. Um, because I don't think we're aware of how much negative self-talk we do. I give this assignment to my clients sometimes when they come in and they don't recognize how hard they are on themselves. I'll have them take an index card, and every time you have an internal thought or an external um, verbiage, anything you say negatively about yourself, pull a tally on a piece of paper and see how fast that gets filled up. When we do this, we're aware of what we're doing, and it naturally slows us down. But we talk so poorly to ourselves. We would get beat up if we talk to ourselves the way we do in a bar. Like it's, it's, we are our own worst critics. People usually have so much going on in their own head, they're not paying attention to you. That's the whole thing with communication. We have our own thoughts going on. We're not paying attention to the people next to us, right? Mm -hmm. We're all self-involved, and we all got our things going on. So just taking some grace and being kind to yourself and being aware without that judgment of how we're speaking to ourselves and what the messages we're saying. Just for argument's sake, what about the flip side? Like somebody who may be almost overly confident or almost they almost maybe narcissistic tendencies where they feel they can they don't see any flaws. They don't see anything wrong with themselves, even if they may be treating other people incorrectly or, or wrong or like kind of like the flip, like the other, the other end of the spectrum, like somebody who's super self-deprecating versus somebody who's almost like narcissistic. Yeah. So usually those people are not the people who are doing the self-work that gets them in therapy, right? Because they don't think they have problems. So if you don't think you have any problems and you think you're perfect, you're often not looking to go to therapy. Um, I would say mm. If those people do recognize that they don't want to be that way anymore, live that way anymore, they understand there's something more in life that they're missing. I say go to therapy, find a therapist, go talk to somebody. Um, but usually yeah. those people don't, you're not going to be able to tell them anything. Yeah. <laughs> now, what if, what about somebody maybe dealing with somebody like that? Like, what would you have any advice for someone that might have someone like that in their life? That I'm not alluding to anything. It just, that's where my like devil's advocate brain goes to of like <laughs> Tyson. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> He's so mean to me. <laughs> you better cover up. No. Um, <laughs> living with somebody or dating somebody or having somebody in your life with narcissism, true narcissism, can be um, exhausting. It, it, yeah. It's one of the tough ones. It can be, it's a lot of where gaslighting comes from in relationships too. It's from narcissism. So I would say uh, get your own therapist, make sure you're doing your own work. And if you are in a situation where you're not being treated well, maybe look at that. Take a step back and look at your life and say, what is this? What is the direction I'm going? Is this working for me? Hmm. And leave Tyson immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's forcing me to do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so moving advice. on. No. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so there's a lot of people who have uh, dealt with um, the loss of a loved one, uh, a loss of a pet. Uh, you know, when we lost our little dog, our little Chihuahua, he was everything in our family. Uh, or when I lost my grandparents or anyone who's lost a child or anything like that. How, what, let me rephrase that. What are some common or effective coping mechanisms for dealing with the grief and loss? Yeah, grief is a, grief is a hard one. Uh, it it hits everybody differently. Oh, so we have so those seven cool. stages of grief, right? Um, mm -hmm. People often think that they come in order. They do not. I mean, you can get angry for a long time. You can deny it for a long time. Acceptance can come and then it can go. So just understanding that there are stages to grief and what you're feeling is pretty normal. Um, don't judge yourself on it. Allow yourself to feel the feelings that you are feeling. Take some time and speak to a therapist. Definitely get some help because it's, it's hard enough out there without losing something. On top when, of that. when you say uh, feel, uh, it's okay to feel what you're feeling. When mm -hmm. does it become a problem that you're feeling maybe too long, if that makes sense? Like I was talking to a gentleman today and he lost his child uh, to suicide. Um, she was having a hard time. And, and mind you, he's a wonderful dad, wonderful human being. And uh, him and I were just talking. He, he mentioned to it and he said he was battling this grief so much that he just allowed himself to fill and it was years and it got to the point where he went and saw a therapist because it was just too long like he he said he felt guilty if he didn't feel bad yeah. and so so when what point is it to like hey it's time to move on to okay this is normal this isn't normal or maybe there is no normal and it's just this is how we cope i don't know it's just kind of up to you like what do you think yeah i don't think there's an appropriate amount of time um to grieve or not to grieve. And grieve is gonna come in different stages, right? You're not gonna ever be done grieving probably the loss of your child. I mean, that is a huge thing that happens in somebody's life. What mm -hmm. I would say is that if it becomes to the point where you're unable to function, your ADLs, you're getting up and showering isn't happening anymore, where you're, you're stepping out of life to a, a place where you're not okay, I would say talk to a therapist again, meet somebody and check in, see where you're at and get the help of somebody else to kind of get that second view and see where you're at. Yeah, no, he's such a wonderful, and he, what's funny is not, he, well, it's not what's funny, but he's created so much since his time with a therapist, he's created so much like a, like a fundraiser uh, to help people who are, whose daughters specifically are struggling and they send them to a camp there with like-minded kids or and all that kind of stuff. And I think it's amazing what he's done. Um, because he didn't understand what his daughter was going through at the time because she was shut down and all that kind of stuff. He thought that was just a normal high school, you know, teenage girl thing. And, and it wasn't. Because we don't talk here. We don't talk, I think, across America. We don't have these hard conversations with our family, with our loved ones, right? We mm -hmm. see we talk most of things off with somebody and we've been taught not to speak. So I would just encourage everybody to say something, speak up. I have a friend right now who just uh, was in the hospital who just recently tried to take his life. And it's, uh, it's, we have an epidemic here in Utah. Mm. I mean, our numbers are pretty high. No, oh, 100%. I, I mean, just through the roof. And so if you see something, say something. Ask if somebody's okay. They need help. Reach out. Um, there's numbers for National Suicide Hotline. But please take some time and reach out to somebody. And if you are hurting, ask for help. There's no shame in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's, you know, without getting into detail, I just know that it's extremely important, um, for those who are struggling to that point, because it can be devastating for a family member to pass away because of suicide and yeah. well at all, but that's, it's, that's hard. 
What are some, okay, all of us, I, I don't know if this is true. I'm going to ask you twofold. First, I've heard that everyone suffers from through depression every now and then, uh, some sort of depression. Um, and then secondly, if you are suffering through depression, what are some techniques that a person can do to maybe manage or reduce the symptoms of depression? I'm going to say this, that I think a lot of people have depression that we don't know is depression. Okay. Um, because we're taught that depression is, I'm laying in my bed, I never get out of bed. I, I just, I'm, I'm going to kill myself immediately. That's what people think of when they think of depression, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a lot more to depression. We can see it as, I'm not enjoying life the fullest like I used to. Food doesn't taste the same. I don't get any enjoyment out of things I used to. But anhedonia, right? It's that loss of enjoyment we used to feel. And those things come on gradually, so we don't even recognize when we're there. We're doing everyday today things and we're just not getting anything out of life. We're not feeling the same. That's depression, but we don't think of it that way. So recognizing that depression comes in many shapes and forms is a big, a big uh, alert to, to our body, right? So recognizing yeah. that you do have something going on there. Um, and yeah, definitely speak to a therapist. Talk to your doctor about if medicine is right for you, um, reaching out to family members, breathing, and I, I'm a huge proponent of gratitude. I don't want to sound like Oprah, but it it changes your world. Um, I think getting up in the morning and before your feet touch the ground out of the bed, you say three things I'm grateful for. Because normally we wake up and we say, what do we say? I'm I, tired. I don't want to go. Yeah, we yeah. started a deficit, right? Mm -hmm. If you start from that, from that gratitude perspective of like, hey, I'm so grateful I woke up. I didn't die. Yeah, it's great. Mm -hmm. Fingers and toes, and my dog didn't eat them. Like, this is a great day, right? It changes your vibrations and your energy with the world to where the road is rising up to meet you. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, Robert Michaelis. You might, I mean, if you're on social media, you might have even seen him. The dude's gotten huge on He's social not. media. He, he has, you're not, well, good for you because it's. Sometimes it's I regret scary. starting TikTok because I'm like, I'm so deep, it's I can't so get out now. <laughs> I wanna, when you talk about TikTok, I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to see what it is. I want to, I want to like learn yeah. that, but it, it's too much. Mm -hmm. It's too much. I'll yeah. get sucked in. It's 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 like it's like the it's like the uh, it's like the little the little feeder in the rat cage, you know, with like like that study they put a little bit of nicotine in it, and like after a while, the rat kept coming back and back and back. <laughs> But we have a friend, Robert, who's really big on social media. And I love him because he is such a positive influence on social media. He has a crazy backstory with what he went through with like addiction and everything he did you know, in his past life, so to speak. And now it's like everything he posts, he has something he calls the wake up list. Every morning he, he posts it like in his stories and his posts and stuff. He starts going, what are you grateful for? And he starts listing off all of these things he's grateful for. And he does it every freaking morning at like four 30 in the morning. And then he works That's out. Good. He is, he is this infectious dude. And we spent time with him in Vegas at this, at this expo that we did. And it's like, he is 100% the dude that he, he appears to be on social media, which is why we gravitate towards him. But he, he is a huge, massive proponent for gratitude. I'd feel mm -hmm. like that's, if he could teach you anything, he'd teach you about gratitude and, it's like, I keep hearing these things about gratitude and I tried it and I tried it, but it's like, I got to keep working that muscle. Yep. It's the muscle. Uh, it's tough it's, too. It's like, it's like, oh, I'm so grateful that the sun is now not up when I get up for work because it's that time of year. I got to work. It's cold. I'm grateful. Positivity where they're like, I'm just grateful. Everything's great. Right. It's not that. Yeah. I, I, I try to be sincere about mine and be very specific in my life. Like my one pinky's all jacked up, right? Uh, so I'm so grateful I give use to this one. I still have this pinky, right? I, I find ways to reframe everything I see in the world into a way that's beneficial and not sure. offensive. Oh, I like that. It's kind of like instead of like my sarcastic, like my sarcastic or, you know, gratefulness, like the actual grateful thing. But no, I love that. I mean, I, I hear that all the time and it's always from people who actually practice it. And it's like practicing what you preach. It's like, how can I knock it? Because I'm not doing it religiously almost. And no, I'm going to have to start doing it. Happy, right? It's like, what's in the water they're drinking? They, they really do seem happy, correct? Mm -hmm. Those, yeah. It's, it works. I'm telling you. Voodoo. Voodoo gratitude. Okay, let's so move, let's that's talk about the total opposite. 
we're dealing with anger and frustration in our lives. What are some things or effective ways that we can handle or reduce that feeling of being angry all the time or frustrated all the time? Um, Is that simply just saying I'm grateful or is there more to it than that? Because to me, I deal with people who are angry all the time. And to me, I feel like they're miserable and they're just showing us they're miserable being angry and frustrated at, at everyone all the time. I don't know. That's just me thinking. So what do you think? I try to avoid people who are angry and um, venomous all the time, right? Because mm-hmm. sometimes you, you don't have a choice because they're part of uh, your family or they're part of your uh, work. Like, you know, they're in your same office. We have a choice of how we approach it, though, right? I would yes. say that myself being angry and being frustrated, those are my dash indicators. Those morning lights that come on for me that something's wrong in my life, that something's not aligned with, with where I'm at, right? So if I'm frustrated, I got to find out why I'm frustrated. If I'm angry, I got to figure out why I'm so angry and see what the root of that problem is. And that's something also that therapy can help you do is to see why you're feeling the way you're feeling, what's going on in your life, getting you to the point of anger, rage, right? So mm-hmm. we're not responding in that way because I don't think it does anything for us when we live in that area. I think if we, we see those things and we make changes, then it's great, but don't, don't stay there. Place you want to visit, not live. Well, what if you have a son who's 15 who's learning how to drive and he terrifies you and he's about to kill you? So you have to yell at him or you're going to die. <laughs> Flash your tires and move. Is what I would say. Flash your tires and move. No. Crazy. No, I, um, I had I had a drink tray, four drink trays from Fizz. And I have my son who's 15, just got his permit driving my truck. And my truck's a 1990 F250. It's old. And uh, and it's bumpy and it's hard and he's sitting here driving and he's like I'm like buddy you gotta hit the brake gotta hit the brake gotta hit the brake and he's <laughs> and he's and all of a sudden my drinks go flying I'm like are you freaking kidding me yeah that's great <laughs> we just see that one coming down the road though I mean you went and got four big fizzes in your yeah. truck that was driving, so odd, letting him drive the, the scenarios where we don't have more stress than we need to so setting the situation up where like maybe I'm gonna do some deep breathing. Maybe it's not going to be when we're late and I'm stressed on time. So checking in with ourselves throughout the day, am I in a place where I cannot yell at my son if he goes way too close to a car? Like just recognizing where you are and that's that constant mm-hmm. check. Ooh, I, I like that though. That's on me. It's not on yeah. him. I like that. I like, the, I like the analogy you made, David, about, uh, you know, like the dash warning lights because that's, I mean, that's, that, that, that computed with me really well because of what I do, I'm in the excavation world and my whole job is like logistics, fleet management, you know, managing the trucks and the machines and stuff like that. And like warning lights to me, I'm the guy that if you get in my truck and there's a warning light, we're not doing anything until I figure how we're going to fix it. And it's like, I'm the guy that like gets in my wife's car and I'm like, how long has this been on? <laughs> <laughs> like oh, it's been flashing. Like, <laughs> and she's like, Oh, I, I don't know. It's just been there. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> cause it's like, for me, I'm like, <sighs> Proper maintenance and proper care means longevity of the vehicle. Like, uh, duh. So I'm like, for me, I'm like, no. Same with relationships. Doing that tune-up in our relationships are the way to keep our, our engine running. So if you could look and that's at all I know about cars. I can't give any more analogies on cars. That's all I know. If you could look at the, if you could look at the figurative dashboard of my brain, I'm sure there, it looks like a Christmas tree right now. <laughs> There's <laughs> lights everywhere. Mine looks like a, they're all, you know, they're all flashing. Half of them don't work. <laughs> <laughs> all right i got two more questions for you okay, okay. This next question is um it's about mindfulness so can you give us a, like the benefits of practicing mindfulness and maybe provide us uh some tips on how to incorporate that into our life mindfulness is so cool it can change a million things in your life the benefits haven't even been numbered yet there's so many better physical health better mental health less stress less anxiety you're dealing with anything. It's just being aware of yourself and your thoughts. So I like to picture it. Do you remember Power Rangers? Yeah. Like when Zord would do something crazy and they'd have to like combine forces and, and it all come into that, that little head together. Right. That's uh-huh. what I think mindfulness is being aware of my thoughts. I, I can recognize that I'm in a giant moving robot in Japan fighting, but I'm also just aware of my thoughts that's going on right now. Right. It doesn't mean I have to let them control everything outside of me. I'm still fighting the world or doing whatever, resort. but I'm aware of them. I'm not going to judge them and we'll come back to it. Oftentimes when we have a thought coming to us and we try to like stop it, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to have a thought. I'm not going to think about it. Right. Then it gets stuck there like trapped. Okay. If you just step back and let the thought go by, it'll go by. 
Just be aware of it non-judgmentally and let it pass. And if it comes too much too often, go seek a mental health therapist. Mm, I like it. Man, your analogies, like car analogies, Power Ranger analogies, I need to make a freaking appointment with you. (laughs) I'm like, you bring in some kind of like analogy, including a cheeseburger, and I'm sold. (laughs) I didn't realize that. See, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm I'm such an analogy, like visual learner, like, you know, show me how to fix it. And then instead of telling me how to fix it, like, I love that. I need pictures. I need pictures. That's that's just in the 90s, and I'm good. That's what my dad used to do is like, he would, he would like show me how to like, when I was, you know, growing up, he'd be like, show me how to change the brakes. And then he would like do one. And then he would be like, Hey, you're going to do the next one. Or he would like, Hey, this is how you put, you know, the serpentine belt on. And then he would take it off and he'd be like, Hey, now you put it on as opposed to just like, here's the instruction manual. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't read dad. <laughs> the serpentine? The serpentine belt. It's the belt on your car that makes everything spin. I don't know. <laughs> I had a sixteen once, and that's the closest I'm gonna get to that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. call me. Call me if you break down. I got you. I got tools. <laughs> yeah, I just I think mindfulness is uh, easier said than done. Yeah, you know, just for me because it's hard not to dwell on those thoughts. Like some, like you know, I'll be thinking, and then all of a sudden that negative thought or that negative feeling or vibe will hit me and I'll just dwell on it even. And then I won't even remember why I have that feeling, but it'll still be there. So that mindfulness is really, really hard for me. And I think it's a definitely a skill set. Well, it's definitely a muscle and, and it's when we want to practice. Right. But yeah. we don't, I would say that we don't do anything that we don't get anything from. Meaning that if we're doing a behavior, even if it's negative, there's a reason why we keep doing it. It's reinforcing an idea or a belief that we have about ourselves. And so I would just challenge everybody listening that, if we are struggling with that, what am I getting from doing this behavior? What am I mm. getting from this action that's keeping me in this thought or this place? Dude, that's huge. That's almost like, have you ever, um, <clears throat> have you read that book, Atomic Habits? I haven't. Worth it? It's uh, by James Clear. He talks about basically how we as humans create habits, both bad and good. And basically the whole reward system that works within your brains. So like that was like spot on. It's, it's an amazing book. I read it and I've read it a couple of times, listened to it. I've still got bad habits, but I mean, you know, so maybe it's not that good of a book. But. You know, what's crazy is that how much we get to get from our parents and the, our origin of home, our home of origin. Like are the things that we do our own habits or were we taught these? Like we do things that are passed down to us we believe things are passed down to us that we don't believe or think or want to do, but we continue to do them because of how we were raised. Hmm. When there's the whole genetic side of it too. Yeah. And serpentine belts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, with me, um, so Logan is a manager and he runs a company um, basically. And then uh, me and I run a company and I manage a team and stuff like that. Um, how can the therapy, uh, help you, a person to achieve their personal and professional goals? Let's say, let's say I feel like I am okay. Like I don't need therapy, but I want to do better, uh, professionally. How does therapy help? It's, it's kind of a contradictory statement here. If you don't need therapy, but you want to use it to get further along in work, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Everyone needs therapy. I, I I'm totally sold on this. Like everyone. Um, I think someone who can, the therapist to me, uh, just reveals the truth through questions. Yeah. Uh, and and you're just revealing the truth to to yourself that you've kept in that you didn't realize that they were your truths. Right. And and so I feel like uh, everyone needs that in their life. Yeah. Um, and so we can always better ourselves, but I feel like it, not everyone believes that or feels that way. But I do believe, like you said before at the beginning, that sometimes, like at COVID, everyone decided, oh, I got to do therapy because their job was their life. That's who they made themselves to be. So then all of a sudden, we have someone who uh, is a professional who owns a company and doesn't feel like they need therapy, but they want to do better. They don't know how to do better. So they get business coaches. They get all these people. Like I have a lot of competitors that are all of a sudden I've noticed that are doing what I'm doing, and that's okay. I'm grateful that they're getting help and, and, and the things that they need. That I'm not not concerned about that. I think it's actually pretty cool. But they don't think they need it on the personal level, just professional. So what do you say about that, and how can that help it? I'd say that 
the benefit of therapy is just basically what you said. When we're in a place where we can be open and honest with who we are and what we want in life and kind of say that out loud and have it repeated back to us in a way that makes us hear it, we're more able to see what our real goals and our desires are. Oftentimes, I'll have clients who come in and they'll say, I'm here for anxiety. And they are not there for anxiety. They're here for something completely different. Or I'll look at the relationship and they are there because of something completely different. And so just come in, meet with somebody and see what's going on. Um, you'll be surprised what may come up. So how does one choose a therapist and how does a therapist choose a client? Yeah, so definitely um, do some research online. Find out what you want in a therapist. Go to psychologytoday.com. They have a great website. They can tell you by insurance, um, seeing their network. If you want a male, a female, a non-binary person, anybody you want, try to think who you would feel comfortable with and start researching, read the reviews, look at pictures, trust your gut is what I would say is huge. If you go in there and you don't feel like it's a great fit, don't come back. Go try somebody else. If you have an EAP, they'll allow you to do seven sessions at different places. Go to a new place every time. Like hmm. speed dating. Just, you know, don't get your therapist. Don't get your therapist. If your therapist asks you on a date, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> You're at the wrong therapy. <laughs> yeah. Meet with different therapists. <laughs> right. Meet with different therapists. Try to get a feel for who they are. Ask them questions. Don't wait for them to ask you questions. What are you about? What modalities do you do? Do you have experience working with this? Tell me about your educational background. Do you specialize in anything? Are you a dog or cat person? Whatever is important to you, ask your questions. Be upfront with who you are and own it like that like yeah because i think uh you know in order for like my daughter to find the right special like i was lucky and i just went and i connected the first one like that was weird and my daughter's like that never happens and i'm like i felt extremely comfortable like it was weird and then uh but lydia i mean she's seen eight or nine before she found the right one yeah. um one was too spiritual didn't want to talk about church she just wanted to talk about her another one was uh, a male she didn't want a male so we went only female and, and uh, she just had to find the right one then she found the right one um and it's just it, it's definitely a, a i think but it has to fit for the therapist too i think yeah um, I, would, I would hope that there's some good energy on both sides but i mean as a therapist i i feel like i can pretty much work with any population i, I don't have a lot of like nose i just want it to be beneficial for the client okay so if I'm for the client and i'll ask them a few weeks in few months in, hey, is this working for you? Are we going down the right road? So make sure your therapist is checking in, asking you those questions. And if you're not feeling it, then move on. It's okay to fire your therapist. It's okay. Mm -hmm. I say this to all my clients. It's, I'm okay if you fire me anytime. That's fine. Just let me know and let me help you find somebody who will do better for you, who will work better for your needs. Because my goals are their goals. I want them to do better, be better, feel better. Yeah, see, I, I just don't want to go through the whole introduction process again. Yeah. But it's, okay. it's, a, it's a lot. A lot of places will do a free 15-minute phone call. You can get an idea of who they are on the phone. Just take that free 15 minutes, talk to them for a few minutes. You don't like mm -hmm. it. Hang up and call somebody else. Yeah. See ya. So how can people get a hold of you if they like you? Because we have a lot of people who listen from Utah. And let's say they really like your personality. They like what you had to say. How do they get a hold of you? They like me. They really like me. They like so, you. <laughs> well, after that, um, now no one wants to. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> UtahCityTherapy.com is my website. Um, or you can give me a call at 801-657-2399. And I do do consultations on the phone, 15 minutes free. And I am accepting new clients. So That's awesome. And uh, if you had any advice for, you know, Logan, me, and our listeners just about overall well-being, uh, what advice would you give? And this is the last thing. Wash your hands. <laughs> no, so true, no. though. Wash your hands is mental health. Uh, help. I mean, it's a hard world, and we all need help, and there's no shame in that. So Love that. Thank you so much That's for having great. me on. Great. No, you're, you're amazing, David. I appreciate you doing. And I will say this. It's nasty, but when you're in a guy's bathroom and they come out of a stall, you know they just went. They didn't go pee, and they yeah. just walk out, and you're like, oh, oh. it's so gross. Dude. <laughs> if you guys take anything from this, it's wash your hands. Wash your hands. <laughs> like, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, I'm the guy that carries I'm the guy that carries like the industrial like man baby wipes after I I, I wipe my hands off all day long in my truck because I just I, I can't I can't have like dirty hands 
after I'm yeah. done working on something. But David, thank you so much for coming on. This is like, I love when we started this Ask an Expert, you know, episodes that we do because we like, it's just, it's, it's an opportunity for us to learn. And I feel like guys get stuck and we just don't learn very much more than kind of like what we already know. And then you kind of get a little bit conceited and being like, well, I know the most or I know the best. Or, I, you know, don't, I, I can't take criticism. So I think this was great. I mean, <clears throat> I might call you cough, cough, but, uh, thank you so much for coming on, man. This has thank been you great. For me. This is a great experience. And I uh, thank you for stopping and thinking and breaking the cycle. So it's awesome. And uh, if you guys uh, please give us a like, uh, give us a review on five stars and uh, let us know if there's any topics that you guys want us to talk about. And with that, we'll say goodbye. See you later. Thank you so much for listening, guys. It means the world to us. If you have a chance, please give us a five-star review as well as write something a little purdy in there so that we know that you know that we know that you care. Anyway, have a great day, guys. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> you know, it's good. That was, I like that. You can't redo it without laughing. That was good. <laughs>